0: This is the Aftermarket Radio Network. Hey, welcome everyone. It's MAX 2024 here in Orlando, Florida. It's Carm Capriato, honored to be here. I'm giving the keynote while we're here, going to moderate a panel and do a lot of great interviews. And I have with me Michael Ingvardsen from Copenhagen. Yeah. Wow, Denmark. And Michael is the training manager for Nissan's. And Tracy says, is that Nissan? Is that, I have a car, I have a, I road. No, honey, it's not. It's, it's Nissans. And they deliver the difference in automotive air conditioning.
1: We do. It's basically heat transfer. So anything within heat transfer, the whole company was founded by a guy that actually fixed radiators uh, back hundred plus years ago.
0: So it's amazing to hear. You meet people and says, yeah, my dad was fixing radiators in the back garage and the evolution of the company. And now we're 80 years old. I love stories like that.
1: Yeah, it's great to be part of. And honestly, when I got hired 11 years ago, this was one of the reasons why I wanted a good hire, to be honest, because it has a good foundation. It was great to work. In. And then the whole concept and idea of the company was based on quality, getting to know things, and really being interesting in the industry and not so much about just making a quick buck, honestly. So I enjoyed it.
0: Napa Auto Care Centers are recognized as an integral piece to what sets Napa apart from the competition. And the Napa Auto Care brand? Well, it continues to be fully integrated into the national marketing strategy by optimizing targeted media in local markets and in proven channels. Don't forget, Napa Auto Care Centers have an online presence on Napa Online with the Auto Care Locator tool, generating millions of views per month. If you're interested in partnering with Napa Auto Care and capitalizing on America's largest network of parts and care, talk to your Napa Auto Parts sales rep today. Michael is the training manager, and I had the luxury of having a call with him from Copenhagen a couple of days ago just to do an icebreaker and find out about him. We got to talk for an hour. Yeah, you're <laughs> amazing. Could. Great backstory. Are you training here, by the way? No, no you're I'm not. not.
1: No, I don't actually. We don't have, we have an office in Dallas, but we don't have a booth this year at all. So now I'm just here to attend and do networking. And I've been coming back and forth for 25 years. I used to live in Dallas. So I've been coming back and forth. And this is great. Just a great experience for me every time. And this is something that I do every year.
0: So you're with Nissan's 11 years, but you've got a legacy. Tell me about your dad.
1: My dad, it goes way back to my great-great-grandfather, or great-grandfather, I would say that. He actually imported the first refrigerator into Denmark. Wait, that is the <laughs> coolest. He imports the first Frigidaire? Or yeah, is... it's as far as I was learning, I was told, actually, it was called Frigidaire. That was yeah. the name yeah. of it. He made a ton of money doing that. Unfortunately, he was very happy with women and booze and stuff like that. Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. Typical. That's a whoops. <laughs> yeah, that was a whoops, so. <laughs> There was nothing left when he left the earth. <laughs> no, but after that, my granddad actually started a company where they build some shells for cooling. So they use it in these butcher shops. So that when you have to have your meat stored and everything else, they actually had it in there. It's funny because one day one guy came down and said, listen, I want to sell these sonar valves for the, these shells. And he went, nah, that's not for me. I'm not sure how the quality works. And that guy was actually the guy that founded Danfoss. I don't know if anybody knows Danfoss, but that's a significant company in the world today that produces a ton of cooling components. But yeah.
0: Michael, are we going to lose the legacy that exists in our industry? I go back to my grandfather who came (laughs) in from Italy and he was entrepreneurial and he just did so many things. Think of the legacy of your family. Sure. In another 20 or 30 years, are we going to be able to get these stories told?
1: Hopefully we will. That's one reason why I'm sitting here right now. Hopefully I'll carry it on. And I'm not sure my kids. I don't have any kids. I have foster kids, but hopefully they'll pick up the interest. But in all fairness, we also need to move on. There's no reason to be kept in the past. We need to move forward. But I think without knowing the past, it's very difficult to understand the future and what we need to do and the foundation, everything that we do in a training class. So to look at the newer systems, the heat pumps and everything else, the electric vehicles, you need to understand the basics. Uh, You really do. We try to forget the past and try to move forward because that's the new things we're going to do. Unfortunately, as you mentioned, we're the ones who need to keep that going.
0: Yeah, we grew up on the backs of our ancestry. I guess I'm trying to find the right word. (laughs) Uncle, the great uncle, great grandfather. And if it wasn't for all the things that they did, we wouldn't be here in this microcosm of life today. And I don't mean to get crazy and emotional (laughs) and weird on anyone, but I think it's important. The more that I start hearing from legacy guys in in the industry and says, so where'd you get your start? And then here comes the great stories.
1: Yeah, that's true. And I think a lot of times we hear about sales. It was a great thing because we had a ton of money. I was like, I didn't know what I was going to do when I was 14, 15. This wasn't my dream. It wasn't my dream to be sitting. here as a 50 year old and hey, I'm a global tech training man. This. Exactly.
0: Yeah. I love this story. We have done some episodes with some directors of training, managers of training in the industry. To try to prove to the rest of our young industry, this guy was turning wrenches for this shop. It's still in existence. And if it wasn't for that owner embracing this young man, and now he's the VP of training somewhere. Sure. Where am I going? How am I getting there? Is there a career path beyond what I do? Because I have a love to do this. It's all possible.
1: It is. But I think you also, you need to be at the right place at the right time missed didn't have a training program when I started 11 years ago as a product manager. I mean, that they wanted to introduce compressors into the AC industry with our customers and everything else, that was great. And I said, that's fine. I love doing that. But to do that, we need to make sure that the customers know what they're buying and what they returning and everything else And like, No, our customers know what they're doing. No, they don't. And they buying compressors for 20 years, but they still don't know what they're doing. Yeah. But they think they know what they're doing, but they don't.
0: I would love to say this very facetious thing. Is air conditioning the same today as it was yesterday?
1: Technically, yes.
0: Okay, but it's cha- <laughs> but it's changing rapidly.
1: It is changing, and the thing is that, and it was funny because then, as we talked about Monday, was yeah. that I had a student telling me that, "Why do I need to go to an AC training class? Because AC is the same thing." Like back when I did thirty years ago, it was the same thing. It's still cool, and everything else, and so forth. I'm like, yep yeah, that's true. It does cool down, but you have to remember that Mercedes E class was the same thing in 1987 as it is today. But everything's changed. Everything has changed that vehicle. It might be an E-Class, but it has changed. Meaning that internal components, the way it works, energy consumption, refrigerants, oil, UV dye, orange, everything else have changed. The functionality of it is exactly the same. But the way it works and the way that it should work and the impact that it has on the rest of the vehicle has changed dramatically.
0: We got to talk about that going forward. If I was a air conditioning person, I was the (laughs) specialist in the shop on air conditioning, and I was really good diagnosing what I think would be the failure. What you're saying is as our technology moves and changes, do I need to keep ahead of the curve by going to training?
1: Sure. The challenge that we have today is there's so many trainings out there. There's so many trainings that being announced saying, hey, now you need to go this one, then Mm -hmm. we're trying to create basically because I'm also the president of Mac Partners, the equivalent of Macs in the US. I'm also president for Mac Partners in Europe, basically doing the same thing. Not the same scale, a bit different with all the different nationalities and cultures and so forth challenge right now we have is that it used to be that everybody could work or most people could work on an AC system because they were AC specialists, because the systems were pretty big, they had high efficiency and so forth. Once we started looking at newer vehicles where electric vehicles, hyper vehicles and high efficient vehicles with fuel mileage has to be pretty good and so forth, they started looking at the AC system. So now we're not just looking at the components, we're also looking at the chemical side of things, so UV dye, that affects how the compressor works. So we've got to minimize components, the weight, make them more efficient. But when we do that, we also reduce the amount of oil and reduce the amount of everything else in the system. So we've got teflon coated pistons, which we didn't have back in the 80s, 90s, all the way up to 2000. Nobody knew there was a teflon coated piston. When I do a training class and show a teflon coated piston, they go, is that how it works? It, yeah. And it scratches pretty easily. So when I don't turn the clutch, it scratches. Potentially, it didn't do that back with the old fixed-disparation compressors on a humongous Chevy Tahoe or Suburban or whatever, nobody cared because it didn't break down as easily. But with everything going on with parallel flow condensers, breakable pulleys, uh, teflon coated pistons, and so forth, you really need to understand how the component work. Once you do that, you don't have a problem.
0: So the argument is about basic electric training in here in the States and the trainers realizing how much training even some of the best diagnosticians a mechanical and or technology specialists need they've got to go and get refreshed because they're always going to learn one new thing yeah so the concept here is the same for air conditioning if you've not been to a training say in two years would you recommend that go
1: oh yeah definitely the world is moving so fast right now also within vehicles that you have to go every second Yeah, I'm not saying you should go every year, but every second year is great to get up, updated, upgraded, whatever you want to call it. That's a great way to go, okay, that makes sense. As you said, it only takes one thing for that system to break down. If you don't know that thing, it's got to break down.
0: Yeah, you're stuck in the mud. Okay, everyone knows I'm not a technician and I sometimes ask basic questions <laughs> and they say, why didn't you know oh. that? Well, because you know that I don't know that. And I have this curiosity. I love everything about our industry and that's why we do for nine years here. And so I've got to ask maybe a sophomoric question to my audience, but for me, important. But I also think my audience doesn't know sure. enough no? about sure. heat, heat pumps. Heat pumps, yeah, that's heat a nasty pumps. word. Yeah. And every time I try to watch or read something about it, I still walk away scratching my head. Sure. Can you make, can you help me understand? Like, yeah,
1: pumps? a overview of a heat pump. Yeah, I can. Not if i at all. The big chance with a heat pump is, of course, why do we need it in a vehicle? The reason why we need it in a vehicle is that in electrical hybrid vehicles, we want to make sure that the car drives as far as it possibly can on that battery charge. We cannot just go into a gas station and fill it up with gasoline or diesel or whatever. So we want to find the best possible way to make that happen. So with a normal AC system, And with the refrigerants that we know today, 134A, 1234A, that's other coming. We'll get back to that. You do have limitations to range because when a compressor runs, it does actually remove battery capacity. And I have to remember that when it gets really cold outside or extremely warm outside, refrigerant works either good or bad. Okay, I wouldn't say bad, but more or less efficient. Let's put it that way. For 134A, let's put that as an example, 1234A, it's extremely good at cooling. Extremely good. Not a problem at all. Everything works great. If you're in Nevada, everything's fine. But if you drive to Chicago, when it gets really cold, really windy, and any place where it's really cold, 134A in a cooling mode becomes a little bit of an issue because below minus five degrees Celsius, I have to apologize about my whole Fahrenheit thing. That's okay. We'll live with really it. Well. But below minus five degrees Celsius, the 134A 1234YF refrigerant is does not have enough capacity to heat up the battery pack and the cabin so therefore you need either a battery you need a but electric heat and electric vehicle yeah that's not good because you're removing capacity from the battery pack so with a heat pump system using like co2 like we do in europe because of the high pressure you also create more temperature or higher temperatures so Below minus five degrees, all the way down to minus 40, you can actually utilize the fact that CO2 works with a higher pressure. You don't need an extra heater electric heater to actually heat up the cabin Think it finally hit me i got that so now we're getting back to why heat pumps Well heat pumps because of efficiency that's all we're talking about efficiency on hyper electric vehicles because on a normal vehicle you do have a combustion engine that produces heat, heat. why have a heat pump it makes no sense at all and then people go oh it's just like a heat pump in a house yes and no so in an electric vehicle there's no heater core there is, depending on the model. But the heat's coming from a different source. Yeah, as long as it's able to produce that heat, yes, it is. But a lot of vehicles today still have an extra heater core just to make sure that you actually do have that capacity to actually heat up the vehicle. But in general, it never runs because you do have heat pump system that does it. And this is where it becomes critical of knowing also chemicals because, and not just chemicals, but refrigerants in particular. And that's why we're seeing so many different refrigerants coming out because of efficiency, because of PFAS. That's very interesting in Europe right now. What is that? PFAS is actually when a refrigerant is being released. When it drops down, it actually creates acid or it actually becomes a Cities or can become a Cities. So the PFAS level and in the US you have a PFAS level that's acceptable. In Europe we have one. Unfortunately, back 10 years ago when we introduced 1234 YF, they calculated PFAS in a different manner than they do today. So 1234 YF was accepted back then, but now everybody's getting at 1234 YF or HFO in general. That's the general term of 1234 YF because now the PFAS level, according to the new calculation, is too high. And believe me, when someone in when a politician in Europe gets that his or hers table, they're gonna go for it because environmental friendly solutions in Europe right now is highly popular.
0: And don't forget we're talking Celsius, not Fahrenheit. Oh, here. it's all right yeah. I'm just repeating it so that no one is confused if they weren't, if they just, if their mind floated away and they came back and they heard these crazy numbers.
1: Exactly. Do you guys follow SAE standards in Europe? Yes and no. We do follow them, but we do have our own standards as well, but they're very much related to SAE. So yes and no.
0: Okay. I think I understood what heat pumps are, but I still don't. I still don't because what's the theory behind it?
1: Basically, it's to utilize the fact that you do have refrigerant that can actually cool and heat. Why not utilize that? Unfortunately, when you have it in a house, it's fairly easy because you just reverse the flow, meaning that you're using a condenser as an evaporator and evaporator as a condenser. Okay. So an evaporator is normally cold. Once you reverse that flow, it becomes warm. And then the condenser becomes an evaporator instead. So now that's cold and the evaporator is warm. So that's why you get that. Your heat level gets there because you are compressing a gas that gets a high pressure. When you have that high pressure, the molecules inside the refrigerant is actually moving back and forth. That creates friction. When you create friction, it creates heat. So the fact that the condenser in normal circumstances is warm doesn't work for you when it's cold outside. But in Buffalo, where you live, when you reverse that flow, the evaporator that's supposed to be cold and evaporating the refrigerant is now basically having a high heat load then.
0: It's calm here talking to you about what the NAPA Auto Care Center program can do for your business. You probably already know the NAPA brand is the most recognized and trusted name in the automotive aftermarket industry. In fact, studies show that nearly 95% of consumers recognize NAPA and associate it with quality parts, service, and technical expertise. So why not complete a Pro Image upgrade and take advantage of that? ProImage is a co-branding program for the exterior and interior of your shop, On the outside, it includes the NAPA colors and distinctive NAPA signage. While the public may know you as a reliable locally-owned business, a Pro Image upgrade helps set your shop apart from the competition even further. It's also a visual signal to customers and potential customers that you and NAPA are partners. Most importantly, Pro Image really works. This co-branding opportunity has helped NAPA auto care centers across the country increase their car counts and sales. In fact, those that have completed a pro-image project enjoy an average 23% sales increase during the first year. Pro-image upgrades are also available for the interior of your shop. A pro-image interior upgrade transforms your customer waiting area from merely utilitarian to warm and welcoming. The goal is to maintain your shop's independent identity while enhancing the customer's experience. You can get a free look at what a Pro Image exterior or interior upgrade could look like by visiting the NAPA AutoCare Members site and clicking on the Pro Image link under the NAPA Pro Image tab, or contact your local NAPA Auto Parts store. Your servicing NAPA store can tell you more about Pro Image, plus the hundreds of other reasons to become part of the NAPA AutoCare family, the largest network of independent automotive repair shops in the country. So, I'm a shop who is working on EVs. And in fact, Tesla's come in. Sure. You're really recommending that I get to some current air conditioning classes.
1: Definitely. Now, I have to remember that Tesla didn't move into the heat pump system until 2019. Okay. And, and they're still working with 34 wire from 134A, not CO2, because CO2 in the US is not allowed to have, because, oh, not allowed to charge in the system because the pressure is times higher than 1234 wave. Oh, that's a great point. But I know something else is coming.
0: Oh, really? I, you can't tell us.
1: I cannot be <laughs> clear on it because, no, I'm not trying to be Uh-oh. secret about it. I'm all just right. saying that it hasn't been decided by the EPA, which they're going to allow. But there's different refrigerants out there. There's CO2, LFR3, 456A, R44A, blah, 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 blah. The list is long. Did you hear all those letters and numbers, everyone? Yeah, love it. And the problem is when you do a training class, people get confused. Even though we have it very schematically, exactly which one is coming, what's replacing what, and which oils you use, they go, this just goes to show
0: you, you've got to pay attention to this forward-moving technology.
1: Yeah, and again, our customers, you have to remember that when you're introducing a replacement refrigerant for 1348 called 45, we can take 456A, okay? The 456A is a replacement from A. okay? So you can drop it in, technically, into a A system. The challenge becomes now, AC machines, Will the manufacturer of the AC machine allow for 456A to be recovered into that machine Mm -hmm. in case something breaks? Will it still be under warranty? Case number one. Case number two, I replace the compressor. Will the compressor manufacturer, whether it's DOE or Nissan's or NRF or Mahler or whatever, will they allow 456A to be in that compressor? And if it does break down, do we pinpoint that and say, listen, you use 456A? We only tested it for 134A. It's rejected.
0: It seems to me, hearing you brilliantly tell this great story, we're in limbo.
1: Yes, you are. And it's our job, honestly, from our side as a technician or a trainer, but also from a manufacturer to say, okay, we need to make this easy for you to repair that vehicle with our products. It's acceptable. Mm-hmm. And our approach to this is because we talked about this. And I said, listen, if you can basically introduce anything into a system, if it doesn't break down the component, who cares? Honestly, who cares? Because if it doesn't break down over two years, the period for two years, and it doesn't break down because of that, we don't have a problem. But if that is the case, but if Krura that actually manufactures 456A and vouch for the fact that it is replaceable for twelve or for one three, four A. Why shouldn't we say, okay? But we're just one part of the chain because you could be buying a compressor from us, a condenser from Marley, a have an AC machine from Robinair, and then you go, oh, so I got to talk to three different vendors to see if this is okay? That's why you have a distributor. That's why you have O'Reilly's, Worldpack, SSF, whatever you have out there, where you buying from, they need to vouch for the fact that this is okay. This
0: oh isn't your grandpa's air conditioning system anymore.
1: It ain't. It, it's changed. And yeah, and it's been more refined, which is great. I love it. I think everybody loves it.
0: In but. my mind, it seems like if you're an air conditioning specialist today, you keep on top of your craft, you're going to be an invaluable asset to a shop that knows they can specialize
1: in air. Oh, sure. Remember that if let's say if you have an electric vehicle, let's say sooner or later you're gonna buy one.
0: By the way, in Denmark, do you all have to buy one? Just uh, curious. I
1: just <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm, I, it's funny you should say that because I'm in a I'm in a limbo right now because I have to choose a new company car, and the incentives of buying electric car makes sense. Unfortunately, I'm not the kind of guy that stands around for 20 minutes and wait for a charge if there is a charger available for that way. Because the challenge right now is still the range. And when I go to Germany or when I go to Italy or whatever, I need to go charge it. And I'm not the kind of guy that wants to stay around. And it's great when I'm on vacation because we've got the dogs with us and we have to get out every two hours. So that's fine. But the challenge would always be that the rain dramatically drops when it's cold outside. Really. And that this is where it hits you. But we also need to understand that this is just the way the world is going. We need to find an alternative, which is great. But we also need to have an alternative that makes sense on a daily basis. It should be forced upon you. And in Europe, it's forced upon you. Or in Denmark, at least. In the U.S., it's more like the carrot that you go, let's do this. You get incentive. That's great. Mm-hmm. In Denmark, they just go, hey, you can't drive into the city if you drive that car. Yeah, but I just... Bought it three years ago and had to remember that cars in Denmark specifically, it's extremely expensive because we add 100%, 150% in taxes to that car. So A car over here that would be 20000 would be 70000 in Europe. Oh, and Denmark. Yes, so I don't know what you guys are driving, but it would be a fairly expensive vehicle in Europe.
0: I don't know what to say. (laughs) You shouldn't (laughs) say anything. (laughs) I just don't.
1: I may not be around when all
0: this stuff hits us. Oh, yeah. And I hope it doesn't. (laughs) I I don't think it does. And I hope it doesn't. I'm fascinated by this change in technology and the value of going to air conditioning training and I can't wait. Tracy, I've got to dig out the vision training classes for this year, and I got to see how many on air conditioning are listed. And I almost have to get, use this episode, get out there to tell people don't skip the air class. No,
1: no we're actually doing, well, I'm actually doing three training classes as TSTX 2024. The, okay. Yeah. So I'm doing two that's actually heat pumps and one that's... Are you both, doing them yourself? Yeah. Cool. Am, yeah, right. I'm coming over to Nashville and doing All that. So yeah. that's going to be fun. Yeah. So we're having three training classes specifically, two of them with heat pumps and one is just basic. But what we learned over the years and I <laughs> have to remember when I started doing training class in the US, I was like, these guys know everything. I have no chance whatsoever of learning anything. New. And well, what I learned was basically that everybody's at the same level, whether you do training classes in China, whether you do the US, or whether you do in Europe, or whether you do it in, in, in Africa or Australia or whatever, you got to start somewhere. And unfortunately, if you know that the basics, you're going to be in for a treat when you look at heat pumps because it's way, way different. And to understand, well, it's easy if you understand heat transfer. But unfortunately, air conditioning is not taught that way. It's taught that we got these seven components. That's how it works. And
0: heat transfer. I think you just broke the code to me. (laughs) You
1: understand heat transfer. Yes, I did break the code.
0: Because in, in my mind, this whole heat pump thing is about heat transfer.
1: It is. It's like go for culture warm. It's not that, honestly, believe me, I didn't drop out of school when I was 18 because I was a scientist and was very clever. I was actually pretty straightforward. I like to party more than I like to go to school. boy. There you go. So it was funny, but and this is actually one story that's funny because I didn't drop out of school, but I actually just left high school at the university and my dad said, so what do to do? I said, hey, I don't know. He said, hey, I got a friend of mine who works, oh, who actually has the chance for you to go to Hotel in London Worked there for you. year I'm like yeah whatever And I was like oh, yeah, So that's okay And I was like yeah whatever He never did anything He did his job And that was it So he had his own company So that one week later I was on a plane to London And one week later After that I was hired And doing work in London I'm like What the f- and am I? It- But the funny thing was That opened up the door For my work in Dallas And working for A filter dry company That's now doing great, but that was such a great experience. And I loved him for doing that. I really appreciate my dad for pushing that on me. Without that, I wouldn't have done what I do today. So it's all a, it's not a coincidence, but it- The stars were aligned, Michael. Were they? Okay. There you I'm, go. Guessing, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm guessing, I'm guessing because I,
0: I was talking to Tracy recently and says, dad, you've got so many incredible stories to tell. And you just, by just telling me what you told about partying and all this stuff and I almost flunked out of my first semester in college. Oh, there you go. It, yeah. And I was the oldest in the business world of the family business, the mm-hmm. oldest Capriotto grandson, and, yeah. uh, and I was going to flunk out. And I promised Tracy that I would tell that story in, in a <laughs> podcast one day. Dad, you got to tell a couple of the great stories about your, your life and how you overcame them. But thank you for reminding me that I have to do that. As training manager, do you Write the classes? Do you listen about what needs? Do you help tweak them? How many trainers do you have? Help us understand. But, yeah,
1: that's all I do. Basically, I do the training class myself because you need to be hands on if you need to modify the training classes that we do. Of course, I don't understand every language that we have. We have about 30 trainers that does engine efficiency training classes, so, Turbo. Yeah, engine efficiency, basically. But mainly we do AC training classes. My job is basically to make sure they have the right material, they keep up to pace. So every second Friday, we have an online training class for all our trainers. So that's 75 people invited to their training class and it's online and it gets recorded. So if they don't attend, they can always go back and watch it. So my job is based to make sure that we got the latest technology, the latest news, and it has nothing, in general, it's got nothing to do with Nissen's. It has to do with the fact that if someone comes up with something new that should be introduced, we will introduce it. It doesn't matter whether it's from a competitor or whatever. We still have to tell the audience about it. We have to remember that when you walk into a training class, it's not about what Nissen's does. It's about what's out there for you to understand how to work on a vehicle. Because if I manufacture it or we manufacture it, that's fine. That's great. But we need to tell people what they need to do and what they don't need to do or at least make up their own mind based on the reality. We've seen so many train classes today, unfortunately, where we only they only talk about what they're great at. Okay, But there's always things out that's not great. And we have to appreciate that and say, listen, I mean, th- that's how we learn. That's how we move forward from mistakes.
0: What are the names of the classes you're teaching at STX?
1: got there because I'm not sure we actually did the names yet.
0: It, here's the reason that I asked. Sure. There's so many traders sure. that I talked to say, if you don't have the title right, they're not going to show up.
1: And that's absolutely true. I had a conversation about a month ago and I have a meeting with, with Worldpack here at the conference. They're coming down. And the reason was that if we don't make an exciting title, you got some like 300 training classes. So, if we don't have something that makes them excited, they're not going to attend it. So, you got to search on heat pumps, basically. You got to look at refrigerants, new refrigerants, upcoming refrigerants, and so forth. That's what you have to look at when you look at those training classes. Unfortunately, AC is not very sexy.
0: <laughs> the fun, the advanced fundamentals of air conditioning yeah. system.
1: Yeah, I think that's what it's actually one of them called. That's pretty good. Yeah, um,
0: and that's a sexy title for. Is it? Get over and do some basic air or do some basic electrical.
1: Exactly. But I think everybody, got, honestly, nothing happened in the AC industry for 20, 30 years. Yeah. Nothing happened. We had 134A. The only, mo- the most exciting thing that happened was to run from R12 to 134A. Yeah. Ooh, that's cool. Wait a
0: minute. I remember guys with truckloads of R12.
1: Oh yeah, they're still around. I'm sorry.
0: <laughs> and where are they being where? sold? In third world countries or what?
1: Oh no, you have to remember that not everybody moves in the pace All that right. Western world does. Yeah. So yes, in Africa, they still have potential of buying R12. Uh, I can have to remember that even in the U.S., if you do have a vehicle that was born with R12, you're still allowed to use it to a certain degree. It's, it's limited. I had really this really
0: cr- strange question. What would I pay for a, a jug of R12 today?
1: No That's, comments. I think you know. <laughs> I might know, but honestly, coming from the industry, I'm oh, not supposed right. to know. I understand you <laughs> how not works. Turn off the mics. No. <laughs> exactly. That's okay. But it, I would say I think it's fairly inexpensive. It but, just... but there are replacements. Unfortunately, when you have a typical American old-timer. Let's say you have a Mustang for right. six or seven. Yeah, yeah. You really want to keep it the way it was. Yeah. And to introduce a new refrigerant, even though it worked great, everything's fine and so forth, it becomes technical if you want to replace it. But I fully understand that you want to keep our 12 in a vehicle like that. Sure. Uh, but if you've got a yeah, let's not get technical. But if no. you've got a york compressor, you're going to it up anyway. We uh-huh. uh-huh. don't, don't. What understand. else should I know? A lot of things. We don't have the time. At. But no. But with a heat pump system, you need to understand. That's what I was trying to get at, and I lost track. But
0: no, I took you off track. No, no,
1: that's fine. No, the people are thinking that it's just like a house where you got a evaporator, you got a condenser, you got a compressor, you got a filter dryer, got expansion <laughs> valve. That's not how it works. You got ten times more tubes. You got solar valves all over the place. You got directions up that simply directing the refrigerant to go to the right place. Depending on the ECU in the vehicle determining what's the exact best way of the refrigerator to flow and heat and cool, and if you don't know heat transfer and the ratio between temperature and pressure, you're going to lose, you're simply not going to do. So we're going back to AC specialists now that we had back in the '70s, '80s and '90s, yeah, maybe '90s. Sure. became very common. Everybody bought an automatic AC machine, so now everybody could quotation mark, work on the AC system. We're going back to the fact that you need to flush the system, you need to clean the system because if a solar valve is contaminated, that it's going to break down again. And if you do have a warranty on a heat pump system, we're not looking at a $1,000, we're not looking at 500 looking at three to four to $5,000 because everything needs to be replaced because that oil, that dirty oil, debris, or whatever is in there was in the internal condenser, the external condenser, in the solar valves, everything else. And remember, as a workshop, you're the one who's going to Put the stamp and say, yep, we did it. So when it comes back as a warranty, you're the ones going to pay for it because someone like us that gets it back to our warranty department are going to go, "Nope, that's not how that worked. It broke down because you didn't flush the system unfortunate today. Yeah, but it's already
0: been up and pushed through the system. Everybody's been paid down below and you're True. doing warranty analysis and realizing that we've got problems here.
1: True. In all fairness, with, with the old systems, it's fairly inexpensive to, this is what you did, we'll give you a new compressor but and a condenser, but you'll pay for the labor. But next time, you're not going to get it because this is what went wrong. And people go, that's fine. That's easy when it's only a certain amount of money. But we talk about three, 000, four thousand euros or dollars, everybody gets picky. Okay.
0: So help me understand this. Sure. You sell a, an expensive piece of equipment for a state-of-the-art air conditioning system. Do you have any kind of warning? It's like the use, end-user license agreement for every piece okay. of software that you get. and Who reads them? But you click the box and you go forward. And when you open up that box of that very expensive item that if they don't do the proper flush, they don't do all of these things, what are you doing as a company to help people realize the fullness of that they need to do?
1: The thing is, first of all, we offer the training classes, the NCC Nissen training concept, which is basically something that everybody gets offered if they want to have it. Secondly, we have an extremely specified instruction of what to do and what not to do. The challenge would always be if you worked on, let's say that you always clean the house, you always do the vacuum in the same way. Everything's fine. Everything works just great. The wife is happy, everybody's happy. Then you get a new vacuumer, vacuum cleaner and then suddenly it tells you to do things differently. And not, it's not as efficient as it used to be, but you still do the same way because, hey, it works. It's clean. But your wife goes, no, it's not so clean anymore. The problem with the new components is that they need to be treated differently. Okay, when you got a new equipment, new component, whatever, they need to be treated differently. So when we talk to a customer and they've been doing this for 20 or 30 years, they go, I've always done this way. So why should I change it? Because the components change. Because the way of the best practice is changing when you have new components. So our biggest challenge is that we can put as many instructions, training classes out there if we want to, but the problem is always that will people want them? We have a website it's called Nissen's Training website. It's a Nissen's Training Expert where everything is available. It's not. You don't need a password. You need a login. Everything's available to actually go through this. How many clicks do we have a month? We should have a million. We probably have a thousand. But that's where all the information is. Another thing is that it used to be that if you're a big enough customer with a distributor and you send back a warranty, you will get that warranty because they're afraid to lose that customer. We are in the same position, but we came to the point where we say we cannot keep making credit notes because we're afraid to lose the customer. We need to train them and inform them.
0: Yeah, you need to hover over with your training programs and sweep in and bring people up to the level that they should be in. If they're going to be an air conditioning specialist, it's almost, I'm sorry, you can't. (laughs) Here I'm thinking of if I was a country like Denmark, I could say, this is what you have to do if you want to buy my parts, work.
1: No, and nobody <laughs> had to remember, you also have to consider the fact that Denmark is a fairly rich country, okay? Yeah. So we can ask people to do certain things. And it was funny because I was in Albania three weeks ago doing a training class and people say, yeah, but we can't get people to do that in Albania. They won't pay for it. And I don't care what you can get people to do and not in Albania. I'm not here to teach people in Albania what they want to pay for. I'm here to teach them the right way of doing AC. Yeah. Whether they pay for it or not, that's your job. It's not my job.
0: And today there's a right way of doing everything. There is. Everything. Th- we cannot be sloppy. We cannot be lazy. We cannot think that what we did yesterday works today.
1: Well, it's going to come back and bite you somewhere. It is. If you do it that way. And honestly, to me, I'm not here to tell you that the invoice should be a $1,000 or $2,000. i am just here to tell you that if this doesn't happen, if these are not the steps you're going to do, there's a risk. I'm not saying it will break yeah. down. There is a risk that it will break down and then the invoice will be much higher yeah. at the end of yeah. the day. I
0: wonder if Nissan's has ever done a study that says here's all the warranty we got back, here's the percentage of it and this is why we have to oh, charge we have what it. we have to charge.
1: Oh, believe me, we have it confidential because yeah. like, <laughs> Again,
0: my lips are sealed. Yeah, exactly. It.
1: And it's just between you and me and Tracy. <laughs> yeah. <you> know, but, <laughs> no, but nobody everybody has warranties. Everybody has warranties. To say that we don't yeah, uh, but yeah. we also have to yeah. make people understand that we're not in this business to reject wants yeah. we're here to understand why yeah. Yeah. did it break down? Do yeah. so we need to stop production? Yeah. But to stop production, we need a valid reason. I'm yeah. not going to stop it, but it's just because you in Buffalo thought it was a great idea.
0: All of a sudden, we have all this noise coming at us, <laughs> and we thought this was going to be a wonderfully <laughs> quiet room here at the hotel while yeah. we're here at MAX 2024. Michael Ingvardson, I think I said that you did. for the second did you time, great. the training manager of Nissan's. I just truly loved this conversation. Thank you so much.
1: I did too. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. So,
0: anytime, Appreciate it. Thanks for being on board to listen and learn from the Premier Automotive Aftermarket
1: Podcast. Until next time.